A secure and unshakable faith is often viewed as the goal of anybody who calls themselves a Christian. The mark of someone who is spiritually mature is certainty and unwavering confidence in all matters of faith. There are whole organizations and ministries dedicated to helping people feel certain in their beliefs. People who are in positions of leadership are often thought of as people who have answers, not necessarily people who ask good questions. Questions and faith are pitted against each other, as if a person's faith cannot be strengthened by doubts and questions he or she raises. And so the ideal picture of a person of faith is one who has all the right theological answers, possessing a kind of certainty, even in the face of the most troubling or baffling questions. Yet what we've seen recently is a host of people who thought that they had achieved that level of spirituality, only to be faced with new questions which shook the foundations of their certainty. And so it seems that we never get beyond the point of asking questions. But understandably, that is an uncomfortable thought for many people. In this final episode of our series on questions and doubts, we ask, can we move past doubt? How can churches do a better job of being a safe space for doubts and questions? All that and more on this edition of the podcast. We're a forum for discussion on the issues that are ruminating in the minds of churchgoers, but that are often not raised from the pulpit. Too long has the church shied away from grappling with tough questions and nuanced issues. We're your hosts. I'm Riker Zalameda. I'm Lucas Manning. Welcome to Questions from the Pew, where faith and culture meet. also a podcast yeah we're a show we're a forum yeah. we're a podcast if you, you know, all of the above have some food while you're listening it's dinner in a show wow or lunch <laughs> in the show i guess yeah that's yeah yeah you're right, you're right. anyway <laughs> we're talking anyway, about all that to say questions yes we're rounding off our series on questions and doubts and this is our final episode in that series yeah should be a good time yeah. Talked about a lot of things, dangerous questions. Making certainty an idol. Yes, yes. That was a big one. I like the, I kind of like that image. The idol of certainty. Yeah. No, it's good. Are we patting ourselves on the back for our creativity? Absolutely. Okay. Good job, us. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, the last episode we talked about, um, yeah, just balancing faith and doubt and kind of what to do with unbelief and living in that kind of space i don't know yeah 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 so feel free to go back and listen to those um but yeah we'll round out the series here with this uh, episode yeah let's jump into our first question a question from the pew can we move past doubt Yeah, I mean, I guess yes and no, <laughs> as is the answer to every question in this yeah. series. Yeah, I yeah. mean, I guess it, it depends on what you mean by that. I think By moving past? 
Or yeah, moving done. past doubt. Mm-hmm. Or, like, in what sense? Because that's where, like, so... I would say, yes, you can move past doubt in the sense of... I, don't, I just don't think about... And maybe it's, like, a, a change of view where I actually view doubt as, like, a helpful thing in the sense of it's helping me refine my faith and, you know, just asking good questions is a great practice when learning. Um, but, like, I don't know. I just don't... So as I've said in previous episodes, like, I do have... It's like, yeah, maybe none of this... You know, maybe it's just a really great story that, you know, some literary geniuses and, like, ethical geniuses put together. And it's like, this is awesome, and we love it. So it could be that. But I just... I don't, like... I don't know. I don't think of... I guess to me, it it comes back to the axioms, where it's like, it's kind of still worth it, even if it's not true. It's obviously not nearly as good. You know, it'd be great. I believe that it's all true, you know, (laughs) and that would be great. Um, But, like, even if not, I still, like, stand by the, like, even just, like, the ethics of it. So that's Mm -hmm. where I I don't, doubt doesn't, it's not like my whole world is falling apart anymore. Um, So in that sense, I feel like I have moved past doubt as, like, a evil thing that could derail my life. And now it's just like an, a nice little friend that helps check me, you know what I mean? And make sure mm-hmm. that I don't get too uh, arrogant in my way of seeing the world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I wonder if, you know, moving beyond doubt or getting over doubt should even be the goal. You know, I feel like, sure. you know, that question that I think is being asked, you know, by a lot of people, or, you know, at least thought of, um, I think that presupposes the, you know, the idea that a doubtless existence or a doubtless faith is the best thing. Mm. Um, yeah. So, but I don't know if that that is a goal, or that should be the goal. Like to your point, right? You get to a point where doubts, you know, drive your faith as yeah. opposed to some, you know, as opposed to it being something that. Um, that derails it mm. and I, I guess for me as well how do we know if we're beyond sure doubt? yeah yeah. <laughs> you know what like is there a checklist that yeah. people have like what's the litmus test sort of thing yeah now no matter what evidence that. you put in front of me i won't waver it's like that actually sounds like a worse place <laughs> right well to yeah. like to that like because we talked about it in in like a few episodes before one of us mentioned it like the idea that like a lot of the stuff we take on on faith and trust and that's a that's a big thing in you know in, in in Christianity but we also sometimes have a hyper focus on the evidence like the evidence yeah. side of things yeah totally. right so like always looking for how the bible is proven true in archaeology yeah, or in yeah. science and stuff like that yeah so like is there a certain you know, you know, once a, a a scientific theory is proven, is that, you know, will will a certain number of those theories um, confirm, and you know, help you move past doubt, or you know, a certain archaeological discovery or discoveries, sure. will that, you know, erase any doubt for you? Like, how, uh, yeah, I guess I feel like it's a moving target. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, and I feel like. 
like, so when we read about like trust or faith, like in the Bible, like Abraham or, you know, all these characters in the scriptures, I guess like the faith or trust that they're having is like that God is good and that, you know, he is who he says he is. And so like, that's like a different thing than I feel like a lot of times we talk about faith in modern times and it's like faith that the thing I believe is right and everybody else is wrong. (laughs) You know, Mm. that's like, it's like faith in your worldview more than it is like, I guess in scripture when like faith is used or like belief and trust and those kind of like words, like it's more about God's character than it is about like a certain perfectly theological, you know, perspective with all the Mm. I's dotted and T's crossed. So that's where I feel like we also miss it that way where it's like, like our faith or like moving past our doubt. It's, it's more so doubt that our, our worldview is like, not perfect you know what i mean (laughs) like that's like what the doubt's about whereas like in the scriptures like doubt like in its most negative sense like in the sense of opposite of faith it would be like doubt that god is good and that he'll take care of me and you know what i mean that he has a plan for the world and blah 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 so that's where it's like i also think we miss it there where it's it's more about our person like personal theological beliefs versus like i don't know or not even it's mostly this like worldview. Like I believe my worldview is right and I have faith and I'll stick with it. Even if I get evident, you know what I mean? Or mm-hmm. no matter what anyone says or what the, or how, uh, Im- I don't know, like uh, illogical it is or something like that. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about that? I, I don't know. The, the idea of, of saying I have complete faith in this. It's not, it will never be shaken not even in the face of this, you know, this evidence. Yeah, I guess it depends on what you mean. Well, like, so, I mean, I've said this maybe on this podcast, I don't know. But there's, like, you know, basically, like, just a couple things I'm, like, wholly committed to when it comes to, like, my, uh, like, intellectual beliefs about God. You know what I'm saying? So I'm just, mm-hmm. like, a Christian. So by that, it's, like, you know, God's trinity, Jesus is fully god you know i guess that's that's mostly it when it comes to theological points i don't know maybe there's a couple more uh but it's like so those but to me i'm i'm committed to those and so it's and none of those are like evidence statements you know those are assumptions Mm. about the nature of the world you know what i mean so it's like i'm just gonna know what my assumptions are and i'm i'm committed to those assumptions um and one of those, I guess, being that God is a good God who cares for humanity and all of creation, you know what I mean? And wants to, you know, the God of the God, God of the Bible, you know? Um, but yeah, but then having this, like, I, I don't know, with other things where it's like, you know, I, I'm going to stick with this belief no matter what. And it's like, mm-hmm. well, I just don't, I, one, I just don't see how that's helpful. And two, why wouldn't you just want to learn more? You know what I mean? I don't know. Mm-hmm. So I, I think I think people think it's a house of cards. So it's like, well, if, you know, a lot of this evidence-based stuff is with like the first 11 chapters of Genesis. You know what I mean? Sometimes it's like with Israel's history or, you know, mm-hmm. the Exodus or something like that. But, but a lot of times it's with like the first 11 chapters of Genesis, which most biblical scholars will say is, you know, more mythic in nature. Um. And I don't know, it's, it seems like it's like if, if we, if I, you know, the person who's committed to kind of a 
face value modern reading of those passages it's like if if i don't say that the flood definitely happened worldwide how you know five thousand years ago then how can i say anything and mm. it's like well that that doesn't have to be what it is <laughs> you know mm. uh, that doesn't have to be the case um anyway i don't know if that answers what you were asking no i think yeah i think it kind of does i just find that i just find statements like that like the that communicate that you know my faith will never be shaken even in you know in the face of good evidence and logical sure. evidence um i don't know there's a tinge of i don't want to i don't want this to come off the wrong way but almost arrogance yeah um and i say this as someone who's thought that way and who's who's said that you know that kind Same. of statement before um, yeah well when you're I, in but it, i don't think okay. yeah but i don't think it was because i was actually i think it was kind of the, the feigning that spiritual maturity sort of yeah, thing yeah. you know what i mean yeah. and wanting to be spiritually mature and again in my mind tying the absence of doubt with spiritual maturity sure and that's what led to my making those claims yeah. where I think I'm more mature in my faith now, but that's because I'm raising questions yes. and kind of addressing things that don't make sense to me as opposed to yeah. just saying, no, I'm going to believe this regardless right. of, you know, this. Well, instead of just being like, there's no cracks in my, in my faith or my perspective, it's like, oh, look, a crack. Mm -hmm. I wonder what that like leads to. You know what I'm saying? I think it's just like addressing what's, what's there. But yeah, mm -hmm. I do remember that growing up too of like, we would even like, there were definitely times from the pulpit or just like people talking at church where it was like, you know, they're going to accuse you of being arrogant. And the funny thing is, I agree with you because I, I didn't feel like I was being arrogant either. It wasn't like, oh, look at me. I, I know this thing and I'm right. You know what I mean? But then there is a type of, it's like a deeper arrogance of like, you're a human being, a man, and like, mm -hmm. that's great that you think that you found the thing. And to be f fair, I I still think I found the thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think, kind of my new paradigm for the Bible. It's like this is awesome, uh, but it's a thing that's like shared. I don't. There's no like. I don't know. There's no like. I have it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. nobody else has it, and we're just the small little church who has it. You know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and we're persecuted because we have it. It's like, no, that's not. I don't know. Yeah. It's just that it's an interesting thing. Yeah. I I remember growing up, like, it, people like, responding to that arrogance side of yeah. things. It's like, oh, it's not arrogant because it's it's showing actually submission and dependence on sure. on God. Sure. And, and I get, and I, and I think I kind of get that. Yeah. Um, well, I, I guess the tough thing but, is like... Oh, sorry, go ahead. You go ahead. I, sorry, I, I just wanted to finish. I yeah. think that is often a cop-out for not diving into the questions. Yes. Yeah, agreed. Well, that's where... I mean, kind of the unfortunate thing is like... Uh, in the biblical narrative, like God does ask like his people to sometimes do things that like defy what seems logical and makes sense to them. You know what I'm saying? Like, so for instance, you know, the Red Sea or whatever, it's like they have to 
walk through chaotic waters, you know what I mean? Or, you know, I mean, to a certain extent, you could say Abraham's sacrifice of Isaac. That didn't happen, but um, there's many times where it's like, this doesn't seem to make sense, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, or at least doesn't doesn't look good to me right now. And so I feel like that's always used all the time to be like, see, like, all these heroes of the faith, like, they, they just believe it and they do it. And it's like, it doesn't make sense to them, but they just do it. And it's like, sure. Hmm. But I think once again, it's a distinction between like believing that God is good and following his direction yeah. versus like believing that my worldview is perfect. And so I'm never going to waver in it. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And yeah. so that's where I think there's a distinction there. Yeah. And thinking in terms of the literature as well, right? We've got, with those accounts, they're very much condensed. Sure. What we have is the nuts and bolts of the important parts that drive the theological point forward. Sure. Very rarely do we get the internal workings and the internal processing of the characters who are faced with these situations. Sure. And that's yeah. left to the, I guess, the assumptions of the reader, or in you know, many cases the hearer, to yeah. kind of fill in the gaps. And so I think it's unfair to say, you know, these biblical characters you know, for anyone who is, you know, thinking along those lines, I think yeah. it's a little unfair to say that these, you know, heroes of the faith, as they're called, didn't ask, didn't feel the need to ask yeah. questions because sure. the biblical author just didn't include that. That doesn't, the, the yeah. whole thing of like, you know, the, I don't know, what is it? Abs- absence of evidence does not equal evidence of absence. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's what it is. Like, yeah. it's just because it, it wasn't included in the narrative. Right does not mean that the character would have been thinking, uh, sure. would not have been asking those questions. Well, and sometimes characters doubts. push back against God, and mm. it's the right thing to do. Like when Moses says, no, you don't want to kill kill this, all these Think of what the Egyptians will say. <laughs> yeah, literally. And then, yeah. So that's where it's like, to a certain extent, there actually was, like, there's definitely times in the story where the the characters don't just go along with whatever God is saying, and it's the mm-hmm. right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, but then there are certain instances, right, where where you do get the internal workings. I think specifically of Jonah, right, where sure. the fourth chapter you realize why he's acted the way he has because he's, you know, the narration divulges what he has been thinking in his mind. Sure. Um, and it's actually God who's, you know, you know, asking him a question, like, you know, accusatory questions. Yeah, which I yeah. I always found was a great way to end that totally. story. Well, and his, he didn't doubt anything. He knew God's character, and that's what yeah. he was trying to thwart. <laughs> yeah. So that's like yeah. Funny. Uh, and so God was like, do you do you really understand? Well, Mike, yeah, yeah. It's almost like right. flipped. Like yeah. Jonah wasn't asking, do I really understand God? He, to your point, yeah, he was sure. the one who was certain. Right. And it was God who was forcing him to, uh, to ask the question, do yeah. you understand? What does, what does yeah. that mean? Well, do you want to get on board with this? It's like, this is who I am. So it's like, yeah. is this... Like, you know, is it right for you to be angry about it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I think the idea of moving beyond doubt is, in fact, just the ability to ask better or different questions. I think instead of trying to move past doubt or beyond doubt, the the goal is to ask better questions. And, may, and maybe that's a, another way of looking at, you know, move. that's another way of, I guess, envisioning moving beyond doubt. Sure. Uh, yeah. But it's just the yeah to ask better or different questions. I think is kind of yeah, what I the biblical good. text is trying to help us to do. Agreed. Well, 
I think that's a good place to end that one. Cool. All right. Question number two. Question number two. (laughs) Here we go. How can churches do a better job of being a safe place for doubts and questions? Getting practical here. Yes, getting to the nitty gritty. The practicalities of this podcast. It's good. You like that alliteration? Wait, do it again. I didn't hear it. The practicalities of this podcast. Oh, yeah. I guess it's just two two words. I don't know if that counts as alliteration. Yeah, it does. It does. Yeah. You want to start with this one? Yeah. A um, few thoughts. So I guess I, I would take a like a three-pronged approach. I don't know if there's a better way to describe that. I'm sure there is. Like a three-layered approach? I don't know. A three-layered cake. A three-something approach. <laughs> Groups of three. Um, and it comes at three different levels, I think. So I'll start from like the ground up, right? So in terms of the within a church... Like the, it's at the level of the lay people. You're not in church ministry. You're not a ministry leader. You're not one of the pastors or any of the staff people. Um, as lay people, reflect on what questions or doubts are still unaddressed for you and sit in that, I'm going to call it, you know, quote unquote, discomfort. Sometimes it is uncomfortable to, one, acknowledge questions and doubts, maybe that... Um, that either you didn't think of before or maybe have suppressed because of, again, the idea of the goal being spiritual maturity and not yeah. having to ask questions. So, yeah, being able to, to sit in that uh, as a lay person or lay people, I guess, is mm-hmm. I want to keep in mind that community yeah. sort of aspect. Um, and then moving beyond that to take the risk of actually vocalizing and asking those questions to others and mm. um, and reflect on them um, if you have them, that sort of thing. Um, yeah. That's at the ground level. Sure. Right. And, and then the second layer of that then would be for ministry leaders. They're kind of like the, yeah, the go-between or like the, the middle um, thing where they can take the questions that are, being asked or and acknowledged by lay people and i think they're the ones who are most responsible or maybe most um most able to create these safe spaces for doubts and questions yeah um yeah and i know yeah with with safe spaces i mean spaces where these doubts and questions can be raised without yeah, it's not like the, you're you're not strong in your faith or right yeah that kind of right no accusations no no shaming and the goal isn't to you know to answer all the doubts and questions either sure Uh, to reflect on them certainly but maybe not to yeah to not to get rid of them i guess um so that's at the level of ministry leaders and then at the top Mm -hmm. i think are obviously the pastor um, or the pastors, yeah. um, depending on your um, church structure. Um, but as pastors, you, I think they have 
they have the most how do I say this the most control because they're 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 steering in many ways the culture of the church right um, right whether it's a you know a lead pastor or or a group of pastors leading um, so reflect on your own questions and doubts mm. yeah. right or if you've you know gone beyond you know pat quote unquote beyond doubt where you're getting <laughs> yeah. where you've gotten to the point hopefully of you're you're able to ask better or different questions yeah. and it's not you know shaking your faith um, reflect on what it was like for you to go through that process mm. if you have been there totally. because many in your congregation are right totally. um, and then i think the most important thing probably is to address it from the pulpit itself yep right but not totally. with the goal again of eradicating doubt or questions but really helping your congregation to sit in that like i said oftentimes uncomfortable position yes. um, and help them work out how god is working even in that space right yeah well and i i mean that was a beautiful three-pronged approach by you by the way <laughs> uh yeah i don't honestly don't have too much to add to that i think i think like the main thing is like the pastor and as you say it's important to do it from the pulpit uh, because basically that just lets your congregation know, oh, like either these are things that my pastor is like working through or these are questions that are okay for my pastor to ask. So obviously they're okay for me to ask. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where I can't tell you the number of times where I've been at a church and like, and the crazy thing is it's like, you know, I'm not even like Mr. Skeptic or Cynic or whatever. But when a pastor like like even just addresses like uh like a story's plausibility or just like you know any anything related to doubt of where it's like you might not you might not be here thinking that a whale swallowed a person or which to be clear I'm not there <laughs> but uh and anyway neither here nor there but just like addressing like it's okay if like you can't make these you know, jumps or, or you still are asking questions. That's okay. Let's still dig into the story. And there's like something here for all of us. You know what I mean? Even when we're asking those Mm -hmm. questions, I don't know, to me that like opens up like even just for me, who's committed as a Christian, it opens me up. So I can't imagine somebody who's like, you know, not really committed and might think it's a lot of baloney. Like when they hear that, I guess it's just like, Oh, like this is a place where, at least I can ask questions and like, it's open to, uh, I don't know. It's open to me not being, or just me not even believing the same way as some of the people in the same room. You know what I mean? Cause that's mm-hmm. another thing is like, I'm committed to the church and Jesus and the Bible, but I guarantee there's tons of people in my church who I just, you know, I just don't think the same way as they do like in a lot of things. Uh, mm-hmm. but especially probably like, you know, theological beliefs or whatever. And yeah. Um, which obviously we have denominations, so there's going to be some sort of structure and some sort of like, you know, uh, category of certainty or I don't know if certainty is right, but category of like doctrine where it's like, these are the things we believe. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So that's like definitely a thing, but I don't know, being a place where it's okay if people, 
aren't there yet who are in your congregation. I think it's it's just like an important thing for the pastor to set the tone of. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I feel like the other two prongs of the approach follow afterwards once people mm-hmm. know that they're able to do that kind of a thing. Yeah. Yeah, and that's why I say pastors have a huge responsibility because, you know, they they determine and they steer the the culture of their congregations um, in many ways. Um, hopefully in a way that's, you know, faithful and, you know, through the means of, you know, servant leadership. Um, I know that's kind of like a buzz phrase, but like, <laughs> yeah. but really like leading with, leading intentionally, yeah. but with the goal of serving your congregation yeah, um, and not being passive uh, about it. Um, I think yeah. when hopefully pastors realize how much, um, yeah, how much sway, how much influence they have on that. And um, yes. they, create cultures of asking questions mm. right um, because that's how like even even outside of the church world right like one of the famous ways of learning is the Socratic method where like, you're asking questions and in yeah. response to those questions it brings up more questions and that yeah. drives the pursuit of knowledge and understanding yeah. and if we want the, the whole you know, the whole um, the whole task of theology is to understand the nature of God, the nature of God in the world, and, and creation, all those different things. Um, it should be more focused, I think, on asking questions as opposed to memorize these answers. Yeah, agreed. I think a part of this is that people are pumped about sticking to their guns on theological issues because it allows, so I'm, I'm speaking specifically of like white churches. It just allows us to not interact with the world, like in maybe ways that we should. And so questions, it's like, we're pretty comfortable with the set of theological tenets that we have. And so let's just keep it that way. You know what I mean? So that's where mm-hmm. questions, not only, like not only do questions pose like a like a worldview breakdown, but also like a like a status quo breakdown, which I think people are very comfortable with at times. At least like I don't know in my church, it's like you start asking questions of the text and like why is this here and why is that there and mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden it's like oh you know maybe we should be doing different things as a church and having different priorities. And I think people don't want that. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. I don't even know if that's always like at the front of people's mind. Actually, I I think it's almost never at the front of people's mind, but I do think that's like a 
a factor in here as well is mm. like doubt is a challenge sometimes to like the status quo or the kind of like power structure you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. and so that's where it's for those people who are comfortable in the, the way that the situation is you know maybe they'd be even more opposed to doubt because anything that destabilizes you know might dethrone mm. and obviously this is not to say that you know the old granny at church thinks that she's enthroned on her you know but anyway i don't know i just think that's an element also that yeah. that we haven't talked about too much so i don't know maybe addressing that's some fair. of those things <laughs> yeah that's fair and that brings to mind too like this whole approach and understanding of this idea of conversion right because i feel like the th the conversion is the threshold that people cross after certain doubts or questions have been answered sure and so i wonder too if there's a certain element of kind of that understanding being transferred into the Christian life, right? Sure. Um, and so instead of instead of conversion being the entrance into a new way of asking questions and thinking about the world, yeah, um, and how we relate to God, conversion becomes a point where. You I know, just have the it's answers. A yeah, I have the answers, or I'm on the way to having all the answers, and that's yeah, the, sure. that's the, that's the goal. Sure. So I want, yeah, I wonder if, yeah, we didn't really touch on, you know, what happens before, but I think yeah. a lot of that is transferred, um, into, and so you have these, uh, these, tr um, um, these caricatures of people of faith being people who check their mind and logic at the door yeah, when they the walk door. in through the doors of yeah. the church. Sure. Yeah. And so that's where it's, I don't know, as a church or like as a church leader, I think it, it just falls down to them to set the tone of this is, you know, this is, these are the type of people that we're going to be. And this is, yeah. And mm -hmm. the, your questions are welcome, you know? Yeah. And there, um, are, to be fair, I know that a lot of times, a lot of times it sounds like, we're critiquing, um, sure. you know, Christianity or the church, and, and I get how that. But f I don't know for me at least, and I think for you, I can speak for you maybe. <laughs> yeah. Like we do this out of a place of love and commitment. I mean, you said it, I guess yeah. already earlier, but like you, we are committed to Christ and His church, yeah, and literally. for some reason, Christ working through the church, you know, yeah. through you know, um, through humans who make mistakes. So we're making these and we're pointing these shortcomings out with the hope and prayer of changes being made to to further you know yeah so we can be a better representation of yeah. God's kingdom that's like right. you know if the church really is like little little oases so I don't know what's oasis plural don't know oases <laughs> of like god's kingdom in the world yeah. so it's like I, I mean that's literally all i'm trying to do in my life basically is like mm -hmm. make those oases more you know like god's kingdom in any way that i can and if it's drawing attention to things or you know whatever the way i yeah. can so that, that's and, why and, i'm doing what i'm doing yeah same and and i think it should be said that you know at, at the flip side of of are you know quote unquote critiques that there are churches who are doing this 
Sure. Uh, I don't want to name churches or pastors who do that, but but there are churches, both big and small. Yeah. Um, I can you know think of one mega church at you know at the, off the top of my head, and I know that the stereotype of a mega church is that it's it's a sh- it's a you know shallow place, shallow sure. theology, those kinds of things. But uh, you know the pastor again is leading the way to helping the congregation ask better questions. Um, yes. And it's is it's it a liquid? beautiful picture. Okay, and it's a um, and it's a beautiful picture. Oh, you know when the pastor does that, um, and the congregation gets behind it because that I feel like just clears the air for making that that community a safe place to deal with doubts and questions. Yeah, which I think everyone's kind of looking for. Obviously, we all have doubts. That's that's another thing. It's like let's just be honest, man. <laughs> hmm. I don't know. I think like we all have doubts, except for maybe just the most disillusioned of us. Maybe they don't. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Uh, so yeah, and I think we're all hoping for a community who like works with us. You know, not to achieve utter you know stability with no. You know or just utter certainty, but like a stability. I mean, that it is what it is. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like we are looking for a, a stable way to understand the world and our place in it. Um, yeah. And so a church that's open to doubts would be a great place to do that at. Yeah. I guess any any closing thoughts that you have yeah um i mean i feel like we've said I it think, for the yeah. most part <laughs> ask away honestly yeah. ask questions yeah, yeah. um Agreed. ask questions but be aware of why you're asking questions again i That's think good. i've been harping on this like in every episode but like be aware of your motives and be aware of other people's motives who are asking you questions as well but obviously in terms of the self-reflective aspect of, of doubting and questioning. Be yeah. aware of why you're asking these questions. Totally. Yeah, and I would just say, just view like life as a the opportunity to learn and refine like what you believe. I mean, that's where like so. When I have conversations with people who like, either I have a different perspective with, or like, we like very definitely disagree. I don't think of it as a way of like, I need to defend my position and try to convince them of my position. But it's like, okay, this is somebody who thinks way differently than I do. Mm-hmm. Like, what can I learn and add to like what I believe from them? Or, you know, or what is their perspective? How can that like adjust or, yeah, I guess refine is the word, like what I think about the world. And so that's where like, I actually love having conversations when I disagree with somebody because it's like this is an interesting like thing that's happening where us two humans who are you know hopefully both reasonable humans have come to very different conclusions about like you know the evidence or just like the world that we see in front of us and so it's like I don't know to me it's it's always a chance it's like perfect like somebody who I disagree with like tell me how why like why you believe what you believe you know what I mean or or how you see the world, mm-hmm. um, and so that's where I just 
obviously like I have, I've said this multiple times throughout this podcast series, but I have a commitment to like, you know, a few, or I guess I have a commitment to the truths of the Bible, um, and what they say about God, uh, what they affirm. Um, but at the same time, it's like, I don't know, everything is up for grabs also, you know what I mean? So I'm ready. I don't know. I just think it's a good, it's both a stable and an unstable place, which I think is like nice. I don't know. It's fun. Mm. So that's all I would say. All right. Well, I think that's a good place to end the series. Thanks for listening to another episode. If you'd like to support us financially, you can do so on Patreon. It's just www.patreon.com slash questions from the pew. If you can't support us financially, please give us a good rating or review on iTunes or whatever platform you're listening on, and that will help others find our podcast. Also, please comment and ask questions. You can do that by following and messaging us on Facebook or Instagram. You can also leave us a short voice message or text message at 312-725-2995. If you do leave a voicemail, please keep it under 30 seconds and tell us your name and where you're from. We'd love to include your voicemail in our Q&R episodes, but if you prefer for us not to, just let us know and we'll include your question in another way and without giving your information. The same goes for any messages you send us on social media or through text. This has been Questions from the Pew podcast in the World Outspoken Network. To learn more about World Outspoken and its mission to prepare the Mestizo Church for cultural change, visit www.worldoutspoken.com. For questions from the Pew, I'm Riker Zalameta. I'm Lucas Manning. We'll see you next time.